0: I didn't have a lot to say about the collect.
1: Yeah, there's not much. That's okay. It's okay to have a short episode.
0: Yeah. Much like sermons, I think we can get in, drop some knowledge and GTFO. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You ready to do this? Welcome to The Collect Call. This podcast is an offering of the Acts 8 Movement, proclaiming resurrection in the Episcopal Church. My name is Holly Powell. I'm a layperson and a member of Christ Church Cathedral in Lexington, Kentucky.
1: And I'm Brendan O'Sullivan-Hale, and I am also a layperson, and I'm a member of the Episcopal Church of All Saints in Indianapolis, Indiana. This podcast is about the intersection of liturgy and life, as seen through the lens of the Collects in the Book of Common Prayer.
0: And this week, we're going to be talking about the Collect for Congress or a state legislature.
1: We're a Commonwealth legislature, as it turns out in the text.
0: It's true. It's true. Um, And this is one of those choose-your-own-adventure prayers with lots of parentheticals. So I'm just going to read it as if we're praying for Congress, but no faithful listeners, that if you would like to make this prayer about your state legislature, you can do so. O God, the fountain of wisdom, whose will is good and gracious, and whose law is truth, we beseech thee so to guide and bless our senators and representatives in Congress assembled, that they may enact such laws as shall please thee, to the glory of thy name and the welfare of this people, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, it's a collect.
1: It is a collect. I'm going to say this one's really weird. Go on. Okay, so one is just, you know, seeing wisdom and graciousness in a prayer about Congress. <laughs> is we can dream. You know, it makes me think a little bit of how i don 't know if people still talk about it this way these days, but not that long ago. People used to talk about how there are all these great traditions in the Senate because Senators are in office for a longer time and they get to know each other and so the Senate is the House that actually like has manners, whereas the House of Representatives is the one that you know doesn 't but we don 't have a whole lot of evidence of any of this stuff being around anymore. And so I I suppose there's nothing wrong with praying for it to be that way, but it is just interesting to see these words in a prayer about Congress. Indeed. The other thing that I think is just weird is a little grammatical thing, and it's to bless our senators and representatives in Congress assembled.
0: Yeah, that is weird, isn't it?
1: This, so this is one of the prayers from the prayers and thanksgivings section that has been left in the right one form. Uh, and because I'm traveling for work right now, I don't have my hatchet with me.
0: I can go get it in just two seconds. Okay. Uh, but I was just going to say about Congress assembled. So I've actually Googled that phrase. Yeah. And it talks about, it says that um, Congress assembled was the formal name of the Congress of the Confederation, which was the Congress that existed from 1781 to 1789.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So this is probably this probably dates back to the uh, the first American Prayer Book. Then
0: it must. But hold on, and I can tell you for sure. Okay. We were wrong. Really? We've heard this name before, Mister George Zabriskie. Really? Is considered to have been largely responsible for the final form of this prayer, which was added to the prayer book in 1928.
1: All right then, so maybe he just knew his history and he was just going for it.
0: Maybe. Um, Also interesting, Mr. George Zabriskie must have been a big fan of writing prayers about government because he also wrote the prayer for our country that we prayed a couple weeks ago. Wow. Oh no, not the prayer for our country, I'm sorry, the prayer for the president.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, that that's I I think that's where he he's first shown up in this podcast. Did did he write another one?
0: He also wrote the prayer for courts of justice.
1: Okay, that's what the one we're going to be talking about next week. Yeah. Wow, this guy's like Cranmer. Yeah, man. But for praying about like the branches of government.
0: <laughs> right. I guess he he felt um like he needed to complete the trinity of government branches. <laughs> Yeah, this prayer, you know, it doesn't say a whole lot. I'm happy with it. I think what I like about it, as opposed to the call or the prayer we talked about last week, where I felt like it was kind of reaching for a place where uh, we were trying to impose Christian values on non-Christian people. This one just says, you know, hey God, will you guide our Congress peeps to enact laws that would please you? Yeah it doesn't say you need to be Christian or act like Christians. I would certainly like it if my Congress people acted more like Christians, but whatever? just do some good stuff
1: right for the welfare of this people you know this is a decent prayer it's not one of like the best ones we've ever done, but it 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 does the job
0: agreed Way it goes a brisky
1: why don't we go to uh What's
0: in the lectionary this week? What is in the lectionary this week?
1: It's the fifth Sunday after Epiphany.
0: It sure is. I don't know why. I was feeling like Ash Wednesday's got to be coming up fast, but Easter's late this year.
1: Yeah, so uh, we've got a few more weeks of Epiphany left. So uh, this is going to be hitting on February 5th. Uh, sounds but right, yes. uh, Ash is March 1st so we've got uh, a whole nother month yeah
0: Super Bowl Sunday.
1: Yeah I sometimes watch it. I sometimes don't I, I was never really in a Super Bowl or football watching family for lack of a better term so yeah. it's
0: I often watch it just because I have friends who have people over or whatever. but this year I will actually be at an executive council meeting and I'll be really interested to see if they. Like pause our agenda for the evening because I'm sure there are probably <laughs> a lot of people who will want to watch it. But it looks like we're supposed to go straight through until like 8 p.m. that night, so we'll see. Good times. Good times. So, what do we want to say about this week's lectionary?
1: Well, uh, you've got a, a potentially very long reading from Isaiah. Uh, the the last section of it is. Uh, is optional, although I would recommend using the last section of it because it's actually pretty great. Mm-hmm. But it's picking up on a lot of the themes that we've seen for the past couple of weeks. So we've been getting a lot of Isaiah uh, in, here in uh, year A. And uh, similar to the Micah reading from last week, uh, we have a, uh, a calling to a nation uh, to be called towards justice. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and bring the homeless poor into your house? And so on. Uh, so you're going to see um, themes that uh, Jesus picks up in his own ministry. Uh, so I don't know that they show up necessarily in the gospel this week, but they certainly show up in the gospels.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that reading.
1: And I don't know why this section of the lectionary says it's optional to omit the last three verses, because that's the section that has um, you know this beautiful phrase, your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in.
0: Yeah, that's really nice. We also have a, one of the um, optional readings in the epistle from Paul Uh, we're back in 1 Corinthians again you know, back talking about wisdom yet again. Yep. So, Brendan can we talk about the gospel for a second? Okay. Again, here we go. Holly asked Brendan some biblical questions. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This is uh, a pretty well-known passage, you know, Jesus saying you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world. Right. What What is salt of the earth?
1: You know, i don't I don't quite know the imagery that Jesus is going for here now, there are salt mines, and those are a real thing, so the idea of salt coming from the earth is totally you know that's a thing, but salt is salt. I don't understand how salt loses its taste
0: yeah, so if you're not reading along this this is Matthew chapter five verse thirteen. Um, He says, you know, Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are you talking about, Jesus?
1: Plainly, I'm not sure. Oh, gosh. I was about to say that I'm not sure we ever see Jesus cook, but he uh, makes breakfast for the disciples um, after the resurrection. So um, Jesus does have some culinary skills nice um
0: he also is uh what's that word a, a, a sommelier of some repute as he makes the best wine ever for the wedding in cana
1: okay so actually uh wikipedia on matthew five thirteen does uh discuss this issue Nice. And it notes, the issue of salt losing its flavor is somewhat problematic. Salt itself, sodium chloride, is extremely stable and cannot lose its flavor. There, uh, And then it goes on to quote a, uh, a scholar who says, Jesus was giving a lesson in moral philosophy and was not teaching chemistry. To him, whether or not the proverbial image is factually accurate is of little relevance to the actual message of this verse. <laughs> Actually, you know, I'm going to recommend this Wikipedia article. This is actually sort of interesting, because it then goes on to quote another uh, scholar who considers the impossibility of what is described as deliberate. It is counter to nature that salt lose its flavor, just as it is counter to God's will that the disciples lose faith. Hmm. And then it says, okay, but... If we do go back to what he might have been talking about, the most common explanation for this is that what would have been called salt in that era was quite impure, containing an ar- a wide array of other compounds. Mm-hmm. It's possible that if the salt was combined with other agents that had other flavors, that some degradation could be possible. There we have it. Wikipedia solved it.
0: Yes. I also Googled some something similar, and I found this blog, which is random... As all hell, but this person saying um, the way that salt loses its flavor is to be diluted, but in water. And so, like, if you dilute the gospel in your life, then you lose your flavor. I don't know. Obviously, random blog from Google is not the uh, empirical source that we're after. But
1: yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that I, I I may get where the author is going with that, but I would counter that argument with the ocean
0: word it stays salty man
1: or the dead sea
0: Mm. i guess what i'm trying to say here is stay salty my friends that's right um because jesus said that we have to and also i didn't really think about the fact that salt comes from the earth in real life because in my head salt comes from the ocean
1: it also sometimes comes from the Himalayas, and then it's pink.
0: Oh yeah, that's a good point. I don't,
1: I don't even understand what the big deal is with pink Himalayan salt right now. Yeah, it's a real thing it, right now. It is a thing, <laughs> and I don't get it. It's really expensive salt, and it still just tastes like salt.
0: But if it lost its taste, could you restore the saltiness?
1: Uh, probably not. Ooh. Then it would just be pink flavorless rocks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Do you have anything to acknowledge or bewail?
0: I have an acknowledgement. I don't have any bewailings, which is a good thing, I guess.
1: Yeah, you? that's a plus. You? I have an acknowledgement and also no bewailings.
0: Nice. Well, so my acknowledgement is that I'm reading a really interesting book right now. And it's called okay. Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin, who is um, this kind of random... She writes. I guess what you would call self-help or self-improvement books, but in a really interesting way. She does a lot of research about scientifically what things are proven and not Hmm. proven. And so, this book, Better Than Before, is about habits and how different people form habits differently and maintain habits differently. Like, one of the things that I read is that she talks about how all these people want to drink more water as a habit, but scientifically, there's no good reason to do that. Like, if you are dehydrated, you will feel thirsty, but there's no scientific proof that drinking water is better than drinking, like, lemonade or soda.
1: Oh my gosh, you have just made my day. Right? Yeah, I can stop beating myself up about this.
0: I know! I, I am.
1: That's incredible. Okay, yeah. wow.
0: So, anyway, it's just, it's a really interesting read. My my uh, boyfriend, Tom, and I are reading it together. Whoa, is that the first time I've referred to my boyfriend on this podcast?
1: I think that might be. I'm going to come up with a fanfare for that.
0: Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, <laughs> um, we're reading it together, and it's really interesting to see how, um, how... So, she has this four tendencies. He is a rebel, meaning that he doesn't like habits at all because he feels like they're binding. Okay. I'm an obliger, which is another word for people pleaser. So, I will do something if someone else asks me to do it, but I'm not very good at doing it on my own, which is why, Hmm. Brendan, when you were sick for a million weeks with the whooping cough, I didn't initiate the podcast without you <laughs> because I need you to nudge me almost every week to say let's record um, so anyway it's interesting uh, you can take the quiz to find out what tendency you are for free on her website if that's something you're interested in and then the book goes into much more detail about the different tendencies and how um, how you can form the habits that you want to form depending on what your personality type is
1: what are the other two
0: so there's a, a, an upholder, which means that you are very good at both external motivators and internal motivators. So you're, that's the kind of person who says, I want to wake up at 6 a.m. every day and then just does it.
1: Mm, okay, um, I'm not that.
0: Yeah, right. And then there's the questioner. Don't like external motivators, but like internal motivators so they won't they're the kind of person that if you tell them to do something they're more likely not to do it
1: so kind of like a cat basically
0: (laughs) yes kind (laughs) of like a cat (laughs) okay interesting stuff yeah what would what do you have to acknowledge
1: well so actually uh i I do have a bewailing now because it's the flip side of my acknowledgement oh okay so i would like to bewail that there is no kindle edition of the commentary on the american prayer book by Mm. saint marianne hatchet indeed uh But I would like to acknowledge that while you were off getting uh, your hatchet, I was looking on uh, Amazon. If you go to the Amazon page for the commentary, about halfway down the page, you will see a link that says, tell the publisher I'd like to read this book on Kindle. And you can click on a link, and Amazon asserts that they will send a message to the publisher. So I would like to harness the power of our legions of listeners uh, to go to, to Amazon and click on that link so that I can have a Kindle edition of commentary on the American Prayer Book. Oh, man, And I don't this have to carry so it with me in my suitcase all the time.
0: It's going to be so amazing. I can't wait. I
1: don't, who, is that church publishing? Who, who is it?
0: Um... Let's see. My copy here says it came from the Seabury Press.
1: Huh. And actually, I'm looking uh, on Amazon the... Oh, well, this has got to be wrong. So the 1995 printing, mm-hmm. it says, is by Harper One, but it also says it's the 61,876th edition. <laughs>
0: So the, the copy I have is from 1980. And it okay. says, this is interesting, the Seabury Press, guess what their address is?
1: Uh, 815?
0: 815 Second Avenue. is. <laughs> your, is yes,
1: anyway, right. go click the link. We'll, we uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, and we will also spam you on Twitter about it.
0: Oh, we will. So hard. <laughs> so if you would like to spam us on Twitter... You can find us at The Collect Call. call. Um, also on Facebook, we don't do as much spamming over there, but we should be better at it. We're not great at the stuff, you know. Um, and you can also email us at thecollectcall call at axamovement.org.
1: But you did see, Holly, that we got some uh, a, a, a pro Cat Week tweet from one of our listeners. I did so. see
0: that, yes, and it was amazing.
1: I think we may follow through with this. I think and we have, have cat to. Week, cat Week on our Facebook page. Yeah. So look out for announcements uh, of that, uh, listeners. Hashtag cat disclaimer.
0: <laughs> totally.
1: Our parent organization, who is having um, regrets right now, is the <laughs> Acts 8 Movement. And you can find them on the web at acts8movement.org uh, or on Facebook or Twitter at Acts 8 Movement.
0: Our theme music is Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence by Aaron DeVries, which is distributed under a Creative Commons license. And you can find more of Aaron's music at badgerland.bandcamp.com.
1: And join us next week when we will be praying uh, for our government once again, this time for the Courts of Justice. Woo-woo! Judicial branch! (laughs) Let all mortal flesh keep
0: silence And with fear and trembling stand nothing earthly minded for with blessing in his hand Christ our God to earth descended our full homage
1: to